This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Yes, we are back and lots coming up, including why everybody's hiring, but it seems like nobody's getting hired and we're going to be looking inside America's broken hiring system. Yep, that's in 30 minutes. Plus, what hunky actors just joined the celebrity hygiene debate? That's in the tea in a moment. First, let's get into so much trending this hour. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, known as the EEOC, saying that the federal agency's guidance on LGBTQ rights is extreme federal overreach that violates Texas's sovereign right to determine workplace policies, specifically when it comes to LGBTQ job discrimination protections in the workplace. So basically, yeah, this guy is suing the Biden administration for protecting the community. The lawsuit goes so far as to claim that employers like the state of Texas have a First Amendment right to refer to transgender people by the wrong names and pronouns as well. Really unfortunate that that's happening over there. President Biden has addressed the U.N. General Assembly today, trying to convince allies he's not another Trump. Many of our greatest concerns cannot be solved or even addressed through the force of arms. Bombs and bullets cannot defend against COVID-19 or its future variants. To fight this pandemic, we need a collective act of science and political will. We need to act now. Well, that was inspirational because I'm about to get into another Texas story that is just trash. Oh, here we go. Sorry. It was like sandwiched. I know. (laughs) I decided to take a break for a moment. And that's because Texas Governor Greg Abbott last week signed a new abortion bill into law. We're not talking about that previous one, by the way. It's further restricting access to the procedure in the state. It bans the use of abortion inducing drugs in the state seven weeks into a pregnancy. The bill also allows people who, quote, intentionally, knowingly or recklessly breach the law to be criminally charged. The penalty for such an action would be a state jail felony, which with a fine of up to $10,000 and between 180 days and two years in prison. The law takes effect in December. And as I mentioned, Abbott's signing of SB4 comes less than a month after the other controversial abortion bill, referred to by some as the fetal heartbeat bill, took effect in the state as well. So they were just like doing those one after the next in Texas right now. Get it together. Oh, my gee, I don't even know what more to say. Anyway, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in Entertainment News, Ryan? Okay, so apparently Jake Gyllenhaal was just being sarcastic, um, and he is wanting to cleanse himself of the celebrity hygiene debate. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. 
Um, okay, so yeah, he's being sarcastic when he basically said early in August that the showering, you know, he doesn't believe that, you know, shower regularly is necessary. Um, he clarified his questionable bathing comments at a recent screening of his uh, upcoming Netflix film, The Guilty, and reassured attendees that he does indeed shower regularly. He says, quote, I don't know what it is. I answered a question where I was being sarcastic and ironic, and it's followed me around, just like that smell. <laughs> did he add that or did you? No, I added that. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, Jake. But yeah, I think he's just kind of tired of talking about it because I, w- I would imagine people are like side-eyeing you. Um... Because they're like, oh, God, he said he was one of those people who would do not bathe. Yeah. Which I would, too, in all honesty. He is sexy. He is. He really is. He's always been delicious. Mm -hmm. But that's your tea report for right now. Um, Before we get out of here, I got to tell you about I'm Listening. Talk has the power to save lives. Join Channel Q on Thursday, September 23rd at 6 p.m. for I'm Listening, a live two-hour show featuring some of the biggest names in music and sports and insight from some of the most respected mental health professionals as we strive to destigmatize talking about mental health. Hear personal stories from Little Nas X, Billy Eilish, Lizzo, Normani, Doja Cat, Shakira, Justin Bieber, Willow Smith, and can you believe it, many more. This year has brought challenge and uncertainty to many lives, but you are not alone. It's okay not to be okay. So join us Thursday, September 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. for I'm Listening right here and on the Odyssey app. For more information, visit imlistening.org. Well, next up on the show, how this woman got put on blast for her affair on Facebook, but did she really deserve it? Ooh. We're debating that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So this guy ended up posting evidence of his wife's affair on Facebook. But there's a twist because would you typically say this is okay? Like, is it okay to just drag someone like that and put their stuff out in the open? I think this story is wild. Well, so the thing is, I feel like, you know, if, if... someone's cheating on someone, you could say, okay, that's what they deserve. However, this story does have a twist, right? And by the way, it's it's in a way never okay because um, privacy is privacy and you should respect that and figure out how to deal with your stuff privately instead of putting it out in the open like that. That's what, It's like a, a version of revenge porn. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And this is that, basically. So he stole his wife's phone. And by the way, they were in some sort of like legal separation. They weren't divorce fully but so they were separated he actually stole her phone then found videos of her and her supervisor being intimate posted them to facebook they went viral he then deleted them and re-uploaded them to a different facebook but blurred his wife's face as if that would make it better not the supervisors and guess what he thought oh i'm just gonna get back at them it's gonna be embarrassing he's now facing multiple charges so don't think you can just like Get someone back, like have that revenge, and it's not going to come and bite you. Here's the thing: if you want to do that, you don't have to expose like photos. Like I think one doing something like this is tacky and, oh, and yeah. gross anyway. But if you are so enraged by I don't know uh, revenge, then just why don't you just post a, a, a caption? Or you know, if it's on Facebook, then you posting what, what's those things called on Facebook? Uh, 
Well, a status. A status update. Yeah, a status update <laughs> being like, my partner just cheated on me and did it with her supervisor. And you yeah. don't have to use names, but you can still get out everything out if you don't want to purchase a journal and just journal privately if you want to tell everybody your business. Honestly, that just looks, um, that just sounds awful. And, and I'm happy you're going to jail. Well, yeah. And even then, when you think you're doing that and making the other per- person or people look bad, you're also making yourself look bad in so many ways. Because, yeah, a lot of times when people just put their stuff out there in the public, what is it called? Like, what's the saying? Put their laundry out. What would you do if someone did that to you? Like, because I mean, oh, we talked be... about past mistakes that, you know. Yeah, I would. Well, one, I would say, you know, you wish that they wouldn't do that. They would have dealt it in a more mature way if they want to vent about it or discuss it they would do it privately or go to the person involved or go to therapy you can't control someone but yeah i think i would be horrified if someone did that right (laughs) that would suck (laughs) of course i mean yeah i just i was like would you press charges oh i just all right but i (laughs) Well, yeah, if, if someone, all right, so if someone was just like, uh, defamation though, you even before a photo or video, yeah. if someone just said that, you could file defamation charges against them. All right. So maybe I'd do that. Even though I always think that when people sue other people, it's kind of you're making your life miserable for a bit. Are like, you? Yeah, because Not you have to deal winning. with the court. Yeah, it's still a process. Even when we've talked to Brian you know and Chrissy about it. But you're going in there, you're winning. We've talked to some folks about getting into these legal battles. But they didn't know if they were going to win or not. I think that is a case where that sounds miserable. But if you go into a moment where, like, if I'm this, if I'm the person that is suing the person that tried to expose me, girl, I know I'm about to collect a check. Like, Nicki yeah. Minaj putting her, that reporter on blast who was, like, you know, in Trinidad and, and putting out her number and doxing her and all that stuff, that lady is going to get a ton of money because she's automatically going to win her case when she sues Nicki Minaj. So, like, there's moments where you could walk into the courthouse being like, oh, yeah, this is going to be easy. Boom. I'm about to win. There's something to be said about people that just are so good at that. Like, there are people that are always in lawsuits, and they are, they're, like, so used to it. <laughs> that just sounds toxic. If you no, are it's always weird. in no, lawsuits. No, there are people that are like, I don't you know, know you okay. made it if you have a lawsuit. I'm like, I don't want to no, ever be in a lawsuit. No, I don't want to do that. I'm it's wrong. Okay and, that. and if someone did this, posted pictures, I've thought, actually, I've thought about this before, and I'm going to wrap up, because I did date someone who's a quote-unquote, knows how to hack. And we had a moment, and we, we were dating. And I thought to you myself... You were dating a hacker? He was, like, smart with computers, but he could hack. Like, he knows how to do crazy stuff. Are you, like, and so, wait, confessing so, that you witnessed crime? No, no, he just told me. Like, he would tell me how he could, like, do crazy stuff. Yes, you were. No, not like He told you that he made crimes. So wait, and you are wait, now connected so to wait. said crimes. And so then, though, as we're dating and you know, things, go are, things are going being, being, a queer radio being intimate, whatever, I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy probably is like capturing all this and saving it in his, you know, and I've thought about that, that he could easily put that out there, but then I'd sue him. Yeah, if you're not in jail with him first because you knew no, everything I he was doing. I was not complicit. I don't know. You don't know any hackers? Am I the only one? No. Yeah, but I think you are. Do you know any hackers? Hit us up. I Slide don't think you DMs. should. Leave that People, to yourself. People, a lot, there are, there are actually um, hackers that are doing really good change for the world. That's, there's hackathons, Ryan, for a reason. I, I think hacking <laughs> is illegal on all fronts. 
Well, coming up next, <laughs> it seems like everyone's hiring. So why is it so hard to get work right now? Some answers and what you can do if you're dealing with this next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it seems like everyone is hiring. Why is it so hard to get a job right now? I don't get it. Dr. Shelley Stewart is with us right now, the director of the Aspen Institute Future of Work Initiative. Thanks for joining us for this. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So can you explain the current state of the job market right now? Because, yeah, again, it seems like certain industries, there are so many jobs available. They can't hire fast enough. And yet there's so many people who are unemployed. Yeah, so you're correct that there are actually a record number of job openings right now, 10.9 million on-field jobs. But as has been the case for actually a really long time, predating the pandemic by decades, there are far too many bad jobs and not enough good jobs. So we see all of these openings, but not enough of them provide decent wages, adequate benefits, stable scheduling, promising career pathways. And so at a time when, you know, workers are in demand, we need workers' labor, they have some agency, they have some choice, and they're going to pass up these jobs that simply don't pay enough. Yeah, and I think that's so important to talk about because I think that gets lost in the conversation of being like, yeah, there are so many jobs, but those jobs aren't giving people sustainability. (laughs) Like they can't, you know, actually live their lives. And also, I think employers are kind of not looking in the right places when it comes to trying to find employees that are actually needing Mm -hmm. what they're, you know, what they need. Can you talk about kind of like the hiring process of that and why it's kind of flawed? Yeah, I mean, we have this, system of hiring, which relies on a certain set of credentials, often a a four-year college degree, uh, which isn't really aligned with the skills that people need. So we have the jobs that may pay a little bit more, but they're not looking for people who are willing to learn on the job. They're not providing training opportunities. They're not looking at job or life experience as hiring criteria. They're looking at these pretty narrowly defined set of characteristics that you know, are are limited to, to certain parts of the population and not necessarily the parts of the population that are most willing and able to do the work. So what are people supposed to do if they are qualified and they have a ton of experience and yet they're finding themselves jobless right now? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a difficult place to be in. But we're also in a, a moment of opportunity and kind of widespread social reckoning, realizing how power has really shifted so that companies and employers have way too much power and workers have hardly any. And, you know, we're, we're seeing this become more a part of the conversation. We saw the hypocrisy during the pandemic of all of this attention and applause for quote unquote essential workers. And yet most were not being given decent wages, safe working conditions, basic benefits, paid leave, things like that. And so as attention turns to this, there is opportunity to change and for workers, whether they're seeking jobs or currently working, to organize, to work together, to demand changes and better conditions. And for those who are, you know, on the on the side of working, they can work in their workplaces to set forward criteria. You know, what do we want to hire for? What are the skills that we need? What are the attributes we're looking for? And how can we find people who bring those to our workplace? Not just people who have 
the right degree. Yeah, and I also wonder, how does, like, these AI-focused, like, application processes make it harder for, like, applicants? Because I feel like AI, there's just nothing good about it. And I can imagine that it can make the process of even trying to do the applications for applicants even harder. Yeah, so, you know, you say there's nothing good about AI, and my stance is actually there's nothing good or bad about AI, about the technology itself, because all it does is automate the human decisions and the human criteria that are put into algorithms. So when it comes to algorithmic or automated hiring, they're looking for certain keywords, certain aspects of resumes that are programmed in by people that are based on who's been hired in the past, which isn't necessarily a good indicator of who's likely to perform well on the job. It's an indicator of who's been privileged enough to get the job in the past. And so we see these automated systems set up to just reproduce the inequalities that exist in the labor market rather than really being forward thinking and identifying where there are people who are ready to thrive and ready to contribute things that have not been brought to the workplace before. Isn't that a bad thing, though? Nothing you said sounded good to me because it just sounds like it just continues to push people back, you know, and not let them increase for in a, in a way where they can find jobs. And it just creates more of a bigger gap when it comes to job discrimination and, and the equality that's just lacks there. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. And when I say it's not good or bad, it's the technology is not good or bad. The problem is the people and the decisions that are programming those systems, not the systems themselves. Got it. Well, I, I hope this brings folks hope. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to f- figure out the future of work here and what people do, but it seems like we are in an interesting transition time and a moment in history. Um, that was Dr. Shelley Stewart, director of the Aspen Institute Future of Work Initiative. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Next up, this billionaire is building his own city. Maybe there'll be a job there. Would you move there? What you can expect next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show right now, inside TikTok's amateur investigation into Gabby Petito's disappearance. That's in 30 minutes. And uh, stick around for the Lil Nas X cover. We are loving right now in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Very sad news as uh, Tom Ford and his family are in mourning. The fashion designer's husband, Richard Buckley, who was actually a fashion journalist, died from natural causes after a long illness at 72. I don't know. Like, the, hearing about his their love story is beautiful. They met in an elevator. Yeah, and they've been together. I've for- always wanted to meet my soulmate in a, at a grocery store mm-hmm. where we, we both reach out for mm-hmm. that ripe apple. I, I was thinking to myself an apple for some reason. Like when you said, no, you weren't. You, I swear just, to God, I, I was thinking wanted, about an apple. You, she says, I'm thinking of an apple. <laughs> well, I don't think apples even get ripe. I think I was thinking of a banana, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> what says? <gasps> now you so, took it a step too far. Um, <laughs> moving on. A statement from the family read, It is with great sadness that Tom Ford announces the death of his beloved husband of 35 years, Richard Buckley. Richard passed away peacefully at their home in Los Angeles last night with Tom and their son Jack by his side. He died of natural causes. So, yeah, as as you mentioned a bit about how they met, they met at a New York show in 1986, were together for more than three decades. They officially got married in 2014 after same-sex marriage became legalized in the U.S. And they welcomed their son, Alexander John Jack Buckley Ford, in 2012 via a surrogate. I think I totally forgot uh, Tom Ford even had a husband. Yeah, that's true. You never see him on the red carpet. No, because his husband was always like behind the scenes. He was editor in chief. He was a an editor of Women's Wear Daily. He's been. I mean, he's he's a Mm. writer. And when you're a writer, you're not trying to be in the spotlight, especially when you're dating a designer and you're writing about said designer. Like you don't want to seem like there's a bias if you have to cover said true. You know, collection. Well, Tom described their romance, telling people in 2016, it was love first sight. Our eyes locked, and within a month, we were living together. We've been together ever since. Do you believe in love at first sight? I don't know. I feel like it's bull. Until I do. It happens. Uh, I I do believe when you see someone and there's like an instant attraction or a connection. That's just liking someone. Lust. That's not like loving them immediately. That grows with time. I, 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 I believe in that. I think it grows in time. If anyone says they fell in love with you right when they meet you, run. Because they You're may such have a romantic, just, Ryan. They may have just like put a, a, a one Apple Air tags in your pocket and they're tracking you from now on. <laughs> Well, we send our uh, love to Tom Ford and the entire family. It's very sad. Now, Representative AOC was at the unveiling of the Keeping Renters Safe Act and noted a failure in the system. Here she is. We have been taught that an eviction notice at our door or turning on the lights when they're off is a result of an individual, uh, of an individual shortcoming. When we're talking about one in six renters in this country facing the street, 11 million people in the United States, that's more than the entire population of New York City being evicted overnight, that is not an individual shortcoming, that is a systemic failure. And so when we talk about folks being kicked out in the street, it is not them who should be feeling shamed, it is this institution that should be feeling shamed. 
Now, Congresswoman Cori Bush and Senator Elizabeth Warren actually introduced the Keeping Renters Safe Act of 2021. The act comes after the federal eviction moratorium lapsed on August 26, 2021. And Bush and Warren are urging Congress to immediately enact Keeping Renters Safe Act or else the eviction crisis will continue to wreak havoc on our communities. And uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Little Nas X is doing yet another amazing thing. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, You know, he just dropped his amazing album, uh, Montero, which has been on repeat since it's dropped. And, um, you know, artists go to the BBC Radio 1 over there in the UK, and they always go and they um, do a cover of a, a song, right? Or either... You know, a cover of a their one of their friends' songs, or just a cover of a, just a random song that they picked. And you know, Lil Nas X is basically the king of country, and of course, he had to do the only, only country song that I felt like is like perfect for him. Here he is singing "Jolene" by Dolly Parton. You could have your choice of me, but I can never love again. He's the only one for me, Jolene. I had to have this talk with you. My happiness depends on you. Whatever you decide to do, Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't tell me my name. You know, it's kind of pretty impressive. I thought he was just doing like a country like accent, but he's actually like pretty good. Yeah, very if low. If you really think about it. He was doing that low voice. I was feeling it. That that's your hot take of the Low day. Voice. No, I mean Dolly Parton and I want to see that Dolly Parton and Little Nas X actual like collab. You know, I that'd just, be epic. I just want to hear that low voice. I mean, it's sexy. <laughs> it's you and you do it. It's sexy too. Oh my God, Cheryl Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we get out of here, I got to tell you about. Um, I'm listening because guess what? We are having an amazing two-hour show featuring some of the biggest names in music, in sports, and insight from some of the most respected mental health professionals as we strive to destigmatize talking about mental health. Hear stories from Lizzo, Normani, Shakira and so many more. It's happening September 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. for for I'm Listening right here and on the Odyssey app. For more information, visit imlistening.org. Next up in the continued uh, world of weird here, a former prison was converted into a luxury hotel and what happened has put these Instagrammers on blast. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, last week we talked about Facebook and how they basically knew and were hiding their own research about knowing how terrible they were and Mm -hmm. how social media was negatively impacting, you know, users and young girls and all these things. Right. And I think this really brings us to an amazing conversation about how do we even figure out what the perfect social media looks like. Like, is there any such, is there a such thing as what a, a healthy social media platform even looks like? And you're the queen of social media, Miss Sherry Lazar. Yeah. Like, you, your whole entire career was kind of being the first on these platforms. So what is, do you, do you have an idea of what that looks like in the sense of like, even your own personal journey and what makes you happy about social media? Yeah. I mean, this is a big discussion and I don't think it's an easy one because in the end, to maintain any company in a sustainable way, it is re- you're relying on users, engaged users, you're relying on revenue, um, and all this stuff. And it's hard to maintain that. That's the reality, right? Yeah, yeah. And 
that's where you get people trying different things to keep people on their apps. And so it takes a really responsible company and a self-aware company and so, uh, I think a company that is trying to do something bigger like their vision is bigger than just having people obsessed with their brand in yeah. a way and it needs to be I guess like authentic like getting people there because they just want to be there right. but even then that becomes an addict like that's addictive that's part of our behavior I think as humans yeah. um, our behavior we we tend to if we like something what's the balance between it just being part of our lives in a healthy, sustainable way and it becoming an addiction. No, here's a, I guess here's how I think about it. I think society, social media is just nothing but a reflection of society. And I think as we we continue to see kind of the flaws in society, we're most definitely going to see them being reflected in social oh, media. Yeah. And for me... I think there's so many positive things about social media where we've seen, you know, people come together. We've seen people reconnect. We've seen um, mysteries be solved. I mean, we've seen a lot of things happen in the positive side of social media, right? But with anything positive comes the negative. And for me, I don't want anything that is just strictly positive because that means it just kind of exists in this weird, toxic positivity land. And it doesn't mean that it's real. I think it means that it's curated. It means that it's fake. And I, that's why I don't trust those um, those accounts where they're doing nothing but posting mantras and affirmations every five seconds because it doesn't seem realistic. It doesn't seem um, true. And it seems like they're curating what they want their audience to see. And I think that's okay. Well, yeah, you are following them for that's okay. a glimpse of positivity in an otherwise chaotic world. But I think that you are also following people to find out, well, how does that person navigate this top, this you know, chaotic world, but also still have the strength to exist in this positive world? A healthy social media comes on how the user defines it, how they want to kind of use their social media. If they, you know, if you want to use social media to two hours a day and you set those boundaries for yourself, you should do that. But I, I think there, there has to be this line of being like, where does it, how does it fall back on us in the sense of like how we control what we, we, we interact with on social media and what we decide to take in. And I think that's a lot of us. Well, like we're in the driver's that's the seat thing. of that. Yeah, I, I agree. The more we give our power away or the more we say it's on you these platforms to do something i think they get to be transparent and they get oh, to they, have to be. they get to do as much as they can to help make it a sustainable relationship and healthy relationship mental health tools and resources ways to track harassment and bullying and to call that out right well, so they have a responsibility with all racism that and all these things right exactly and then on the other side, I think as humans, we get to realize that, as you mentioned, we are living in a really extremely complex world. Right. And what's going to be our place in that? How yeah. are we going to choose the lives we want to live in that, knowing it's not going to choose us? So I think that that's where like the the conscious exchange comes in, where if we expect these platforms to be more conscious, those are still created by humans. We get to be those people as well. Yeah, but I think the issues with Facebook and in, in, in- an example here is the fact that they they know that they're not doing everything that they possibly could do to protect the people on there to even handle misinformation when it comes to the vaccine or COVID-19 they allow these things and they allow these groups of people and they allow this information to be there because guess what it inherently is is ramping up engagements it's ramping up all the data that they need and so they're probably sitting in the back being like well why would we mess with this when this is actually helping us make money and yeah. that's that's the and fine that's line the that's thing. the problem well 
Well, a lot of these platforms, because everything happened so quickly, they weren't regulated. And there's always going to be new loopholes, right? There's always going to be the folks creating new things. I mean, look at cryptocurrency and all that world. That was a loophole in the financial world, right? So there's always going to be new people that, and there's going to be spaces that aren't regulated. You could say the government should jump on these things more quickly to regulate it, but then do we trust the government? Like, who do we actually trust, right? right. And so like Yin, which is this Chinese app, they talked about, and China and the apps and technology, that's a whole other story and the corruption around that and censorship, but they are limiting their version of TikTok. They're limiting kids to 40 minutes a day. Do I want someone to limit me if I want freedom? Like if, if I want to do what I want to do and guess what? Yeah. If I'm investigating doing something important, I want to use these platforms for good. Why should I be limited? Right. Yeah. So that's where it becomes a bit of a conflict. Yeah, I agree. The limitation should be on you as the person who's using the, the social. Um, I, I do think it's really interesting when you see like people like Mark Zuckerberg and he's like creating like VR like conference rooms and he's putting all his attention and time on doing stupid stuff like that versus actually handling what the Wall Street Journal released and and, and, and really showing everyone and, and, and the Wall Street Journal like really it says you know a slide from one of the Facebook presentations in 2019 obtained by Wall Street Journal reporters said that we make body images image wor- issues worse for one in three teen girls another read teams blame Instagram for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression so y'all internal researchers know that and you're just sitting there not doing anything about it that's that's a problem that's that just is like a huge problem. you you know that you are the you are the reason for the apocalypse but you're just like well you know i'm having a good time if no one else is it's evil <laughs> no that is evil so is. i i think out of all the platforms right now to be honest the Facebook's one that the i feel is at the best which is you know the bar is low subjective and it's subjective i feel like twitter has still maintained at least some semblance of See, that's that is very subjective depending well, on who you follow. Because I, oh, yeah, it depends on who you follow and all that. But I feel like you can discover things very easily on Twitter if you're whether it be a big person or no nobody. You just join a hashtag. Your content's gonna be not gonna be lost by the algorithm. Like I feel like it's yeah. it's pretty easy to grow an audience uh, there. I feel uh, it's pretty easy to get discovered and seen compared to other platforms. On Twitter? Twitter, I feel like ha- there it's more easy to find your communities. What? I can understand that more for TikTok. TikTok is putting stuff blatantly in front of you that they feel like you'll continue to consume to stay on that app. Twitter, the reason why Twitter is like lowest in revenue and probably users out of all these platforms is because they've decided to keep it quote unquote democratic. And they don't do that. They don't super serve you things just to keep you there. Just because depending on, with visibility on Twitter can cause... But I'm just saying, out of all and, of them, if they're... Uh, yeah, they're all kind of evil in their own way. Yeah. Saying Twitter... But once again, it's up to us. We uh, all have the accountability and responsibility as humans. If we want to live a certain life, live it. Don't rely on these platforms. Get off the platform. Hey, go outside. That's the app to check out. All right, out. get off your soapbox. Here's <laughs> the thing. All this to say, is is there a, a healthy social media? No. Will there ever be? Probably not. Just enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. That's that. Well, speaking of that, coming up, we got to get into the Gabby Petito disappearance and how social media has gotten involved with the investigation. That's next. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. 
See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Gabby Petito's disappearance, which has now been declared a homicide, has gotten social media involved in the investigation as her and her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, were YouTubers, vloggers, Instagrammers, doing the whole van life thing. And so content was being created and posted along the way, which makes this specific situation even more interesting and how everyone is getting involved with this. But someone who's been covering this story uh, for Motherboard and Vice is Matthew Galt, who's the staff writer at Motherboard and the host of Vice's Cyber Podcast, who joins us now. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back. Now, I know, okay, this is a very tragic story, but I just know for people who are probably nerds into the internet culture, this is probably like their Super Bowl. And I feel like this may be your Super Bowl in reporting. It's, it is a very interesting cross-section of my interests because mm-hmm. I am interested in true crime and right. kind of how society you know t- engages with these cases. You know, I report on social media and its use. So, yeah, it is. It is a little bit like the Super Bowl for me right now. It's intense. Yeah. I I mean, as this came out, how much has the Internet gotten involved to help investigators? See, now that I think is kind of the crux of the issue. And something I'm kind of struggling with right now is we probably won't know the answer to that question really for some time. Now, social media and the Internet has certainly been talking about the case a lot and been sharing a lot of information and sharing stories and has kind of signal blasted the thing and made it very high profile. But how many of their leads ended up becoming something that, you know, police actually investigated or weren't already aware of? That's going to be hard to say for some time. Um, Now, a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, somebody would share something on TikTok where they said, like, you know, they'd seen the van parked in the woods, uh, or, you know, they had given uh, her fiancé a ride, they were always careful to say, like, hey, I've also shared this with law enforcement. Mm. So it was something that had already been shared with law enforcement before it was turned into content, right? And I'm not sure how much of the content is actually driving the investigation. Well, what's interesting is, and it reminds me, and not obviously the story, but the way that the internet has gotten involved, it reminds me back in 2019, there was this uh, documentary called Don't F With Cats, and it was like hunting an internet killer. Mm -hmm. And that was a prime example of how the internet and a group of people on the internet were so hooked on finding out what this mystery was. And I I can't help but think about what, what are the pros and cons of that? Because with the internet, misinformation is everywhere, and when too many people are in the kitchen... Mm. 
that it just gets messy. So what do you what do you think what pops up for you when you think about the pros and cons of having the internet involved in something like this? I do think this stuff, it can be incredibly dangerous, especially when we've got kind of the stuff that's born on social media that doesn't have a great ethical framework, I think, to kind of back it up. And I'll give kind of two examples here. The first would be, I would say, you know, remember the Boston bombing. Um, after the Boston bombing, people on Reddit had gathered together and they were sure, they were sure that they had figured out who the bomber was. They were wrong. And they ended up destroying the reputation of somebody quite early based on like hearsay. Right. So this stuff does go wrong. Now, in the world of conflict journalism and conflict reporting, there are groups of people that that gather together online and use social media and open source intelligence and and human intelligence to kind of like to figure out who war criminals are and to report on places that people aren't going. So but those groups that are doing the, the war reporting tend to have kind of strict guidelines and they've thought about what they're doing they have rules for themselves. And I think what happened, what we have to be wary of right now when we look at these true crime cases is we all get excited. And especially with something like this, where it feels pretty obvious what happened, I think everyone's pretty much, you know, uh, is of the same conclusion to fiance. Uh, if he's not responsible, knows exactly what happened. I mean, mm-hmm. he drove back across the country and, and has disappeared into, into Florida somewhere. Um, there's an obvious villain. Right. And so we kind of get this mob justice mentality. We all want to gather together and we start spreading this information. And, you know, we had several instances of the past few days where people had thought they'd spotted Gabby in the background of people's family photos online. And like you know, the families end up getting harassed and called. And Did you see her, et cetera, et cetera. And we sometimes we, we jump to conclusions and we act without thinking. We should always take a breath and remember that you know, there are other people on the other end of the computer. Well, we want to talk about the latest and what we've learned even in uh, the past few hours of this show happening because there have been updates. So we're going to be um, sharing more about Gabby Petito's disappearance on Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking about Gabby Petito's disappearance and... We have, unfortunately, discovered that she was murdered. And Matthew Goltz has been covering the story, staff writer at Motherboard and the host of Vice's Cyber Podcast. And Matthew, thanks again for joining us. But we did want to know the latest update because there has been updates even the past few hours of our show going live. Yeah, absolutely. So they were performing the autopsy on a body that they had found uh, in the area where she had disappeared. Uh, and the results came out just a few hours ago that they had confirmed that it was her uh, and that they've ruled the cause of death a homicide. They have not, as far as I know, charged uh, her fiancé with the, the murder. They are still considering him a person of interest, but he is still MIA somewhere in this nature preserve in Florida that's 25,000 square miles and is full of, you know, it's a swamp. It's full of snakes and dangerous things. It's hard to find people that would want to be found let alone someone that's trying to actively not be found. Yeah. Um, there, there was, uh, you know, kind of the latest rumor that's circulating on social media is that people think that a video of him passing through uh, near, like, a nature trail cam captured him, but it's unconfirmed. They don't know if that was actually him. But if authorities are actively looking for him in that swamp right now. 
Wow. Um, well, I, I guess, you know, because you're covering this from an internet perspective, a lot of the conversation on the internet is about why there's so much attention on this story when there are so many other, you know, indigenous women and women of color who are missing and not getting the same amount of attention. And I was wondering, have you thought about why the internet gravitates towards certain people and certain stories versus the other? I think Americans have always done this. As long as I've been alive, there, there seems like every few years, um, it's usually a blonde white girl. Uh, that's usually photogenic, um, will come up, come along and feels like, I hate to say this, this is kind of a gross way to put it, but it feels like a perfect victim that mm. people can latch onto. And it's like a weird form of celebrity worship where the victim kind of takes the center stage and people want to know more about her and they think like, oh, how could someone that, that you know, like this, how could something terrible happen to them? Yeah. I think it's it's complicated very complicated like why we latch onto these people when as you said and even in the area where she went missing there are many many indigenous women that have gone missing in that area that we do not focus on um i also think that part of why this specific case has caught on is as you said at the top that these people live their lives online mm-hmm. they documented their entire journey on instagram together and they are doing something that some people dream of doing like just kind of getting into a van and driving across country with the person that you love, and it turned into a nightmare. Yeah, I was going to say, you see how that turned now. Yeah, I just did that in Alaska with my partner. I mean, so... (laughs) And clickbait. Don't forget about that new show on Netflix. I feel like that show is wild, where it it really shows kind of like what the internet, and if it can get involved in these murder mysteries, what it can really do, and I feel like we're living that in real life now. It's so interesting how television can really reflect real life in such an interesting time at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of warps our perceptions a little bit, right? And I think that the internet, even more so. Okay, well, uh, Matthew, thank you so much again for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That was Matthew Gold, staff writer at Motherboard and the host of Vice's Cyber Podcast. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Now, we've been talking about how social media can be bad for us, but this is actually an app that's doing good, at least this time. So Snapchat, to celebrate the International Week of the Deaf, they've released exclusive stickers and three augmented reality lenses that teach users the basics of fingerspelling in American Sign Language, which is really important and very cool, and actually was an initiative spearheaded by Jenica Pounds, a deaf software engineer who works for Snapchat's Snap Lab. And she said the lenses were inspired by the experiences of her son, who has struggled in the past to learn ASL. So she decided to use technology to help people learn, which is beautiful. Tech used for good. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love this. As someone who knows the alphabet in sign language. You do? Yes. Oh, my God. I learned sign language when I was in summer camp, when I was in, like, the third grade, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Well, you can't see what Ryan's doing right now, but he's doing it. But yeah, I do know how to do it. Um, And I actually, there was a moment in my uh, old apartment when I was growing up, I was outside with friends and we we were outside and someone was asking for us for directions and they were doing sign language and I was able to sign to them and they were shocked because I was so young and they were like, how do you know sign language? I was like, oh girl, I only know it from the alphabet. I only know the alphabet. I don't know nothing else, but you know, it takes a little longer, but it's really cool that there's more ways now that... Snapchat is thinking wow. about this. I learned something new every day about what Ryan. Can I do. know. I'm impressed. Uh, I'm impressed. Just, uh, it's reading a book. 
Reading Rainbow. Okay. I don't know where I was going. Look at that. Well, check out uh, this on Snapchat right now. Definitely something worth trying. And that's our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And guess what? That also does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow weekdays here live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, among many other things, including we got what's trending this hour, the Tea Report every hour. We're getting into one of the stories, daydreaming, about how it has so many emotional benefits. So how can you do it more? I love that. Uh and if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. So just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There and join our podcast family. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.